Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 521. This is the weekly show about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. Thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Grow Flowers. Farm Grow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. Our first sponsor thanks goes to flowerfarm.com, a leading wholesale flower distributor that sources from carefully selected farms to offer high-performing fresh flowers sent directly from the farm straight to you. You can shop by flower or by country of origin at flowerfarm.com. Find flowers and foliage from California, Florida, Oregon, and Washington by using the origin selection tool in your search. Learn more at flowerfarm.com. In celebration of our Slow Flowers podcast's eighth anniversary, we launched our new live stream video format, calling it the Slow Flowers Show, with the goal of sharing the faces and voices of our members, as well as tours of their farms, their shops, and their studios, and most of all, their flowers. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, Vanessa Van Kieran of Pops Flowers. She's based in Edgewood, Washington. I visited Vanessa last week to record a video tour of her flower farm, which is located on a two-acre parcel complete with a solid log cabin. Here's the delightful surprise. Vanessa is literally 12 miles from my suburban home. We're both situated between Seattle and Tacoma. And visiting Pop's Flowers truly feels like a trip to the countryside. What an incredible find. And you'll love seeing what Vanessa and her husband, Garrett Burns, have created in just two seasons. Here's some background on Pops Flowers. Vanessa Van Curen is an old soul, a millennial, a floral entrepreneur, and an artist with a background in photography. Her partner Garrett is naturally curious, has a humanitarian heart, and is a car enthusiast, and is also now an accidental flower farmer. The pop of Pops Flowers is CP, aka Clarence Paul Reardon, Vanessa's 94-year-old grandfather and inspiration for this business. Pops is a widowed World War II veteran, an avid gardener, and homesteader, and a retired cabinet maker and woodworker. In 2017, Pops gave over his garden to Vanessa, and she began to grow flowers and sell them in a hyper-local channel, their local Facebook page, in the Edgewood, Milton, and Fife, Washington areas, located between Seattle and Tacoma, as I mentioned. From 2017 to 2019, all the flower proceeds went to Pop, helping him with household costs and home repairs. In 2020, Vanessa and Garrett found their own modern homestead, not too far from Pop's house. 
Check out DebraPrinzing.com for episode 521. You can find today's show notes. You can watch the video tour, which begins with a walk through the fields of Pops Flowers and ends with a quick peek at Vanessa's Coolbot and New Floral Studio, which Vanessa and Garrett recently created to support their just-about-to-start online flower shop. In between, I sat down with Vanessa to talk about her business, which she describes as in its young teenager phase. What a great conversation. And you'll hear the rest of the story as we meet Vanessa Van Curen. Let's jump right in and get started. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited today to be here uh, with my neighbor, Vanessa Van Curen of Pops Flowers. We don't live that far from each other. No, not too far. Thanks for letting me come visit you today. It's my pleasure. That's great. It's great to know that there are beautiful, organic, sustainable flowers growing right in the city. I mean, you're right off the freeway, basically. We are. And then we're only 30 seconds off of the main road, uh, Meridian up there. Yeah. So, yeah, really convenient. Well, we uh, are going to, you'll have just seen a video tour that Vanessa led me on to see her growing area. And I don't know how good the audio is, but I think it'll be a great introduction of what she's growing here. And now we're going to talk about just the whole Pops Flowers story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Vanessa, give us a snapshot of Pops Flowers. Um, you've got a lot of facets and a lot of moving parts. Yep. How do you wrap your arms around all of that? Um, it's a struggle. <laughs> But I'm getting better every year. So the farm itself is a two-acre piece of land, but we've got almost an eighth of an acre in production. We do um, tulips in the spring. We do uh, cold-hardy annuals, and then we also do our summer annuals. So that's what we're growing. And then as far as income streams go, or flower outlets, Mm -hmm. however you want to put it, we have our CSA. We have an online store where we do everyday flower orders. Um, I do the occasional custom order if there's a local that wants, you know, something for a small bridal party mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And like, those, like the personal flowers or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And those are like our really big ones, the CSA and the online store. Mm-hmm. So you, um, you really blew me away with just like all the ways that you're finding customers and customers mm-hmm. are finding you because you said that most of it's through Instagram. A lot so, of it. How, how would you describe Pops Flowers, or do you have a tagline or something like that? Um, I say that we are always um, local and American-grown. Mm-hmm. That really is the tagline that we pushed this year. I think it really encompasses our core, core value. And it really resonates with our customers. and makes us a little easier to find for those people that that's what they're looking for. And local... Uh, do people know, like, you're, you're technically in a town called Edgewood, right? Correct. Okay, so do you use that on your marketing and... Edgewood grown. Edgewood grown? So oh, I guess I do, you do. <laughs> I do specify when certain things are Edgewood mm-hmm. grown, like this weekend. Um, we opened up our farm stand, which is a smaller revenue stream that we have compared to the others. But yeah, this week everything was Edgewood grown and Des Moines grown. We actually got some flowers from our friend Martha up at the flower barn. I'm not sure if you've heard of her or been by her place. But Is she beautiful. off of 16th? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I've yeah. seen the sandwich boards. I had a conversation with someone else about this recently. Like, I've got to find this. Who this is? Yeah. Well, because it's also in a residential area, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. So uh, you've said that you've been, this is your fifth season growing, but you're only your second season here. So right. piece all those piece, puzzles, pieces yeah, together totally. for us. Yeah, totally. So uh, 
technically this is the end of my fourth and since we're kind of planning 2022 I'm leaning towards saying fifth because that's where my brain is half the time right right now (laughs) but I started growing in my grandfather's garden he lives in Milton he moved here just after the war with my grandmother they had four kids it's very idyllic very adorable and this is like within a few minutes from here exactly I'd say five minutes at the most Uh, and he was always a gardener and a homesteader, but he got to be about 92 or so, 90, 92, and realized that he just couldn't do it anymore. Um, At the time, I was living in Tacoma in a small condo. I had a couple raised beds in the front of my my condo, but it really wasn't much. So when he said, I can't do it anymore, I said, Grandpa, I'll, I'll do your garden for you. Wow. Yeah, and he, his wife, my grandmother, had passed away maybe five years before, and he always kept fresh flowers in the house for her. He still does to this day. So initially, when he first gave me his garden, I thought, well, let's grow some dahlias for Pop. You know? And he's Pop. Exactly. That's, That's who Pop is. You made the business after him. We did. And it was actually my husband's idea, and I have to all forever be indebted to him for thinking of it. That's so sweet. Isn't it sweet? Yeah. yeah. So, And we still bring flowers every week for Grandma. So, mm. yeah, that's how we got started. Mm. And then we found this place a year and a half ago. Um and it just kind of ticked all our boxes. So here we are. Well, those of you who saw the video will maybe have caught a glimpse of this amazing house in the mm-hmm. backdrop. It's basically a modern-day log cabin, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was built in 99, and it's a traditional log cabin home wow. built the old-fashioned way. Really? And what do you mean by that? Like the joinery? and the- um, Just that the logs were – it's a long process, mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. There's no expedited technology way of making this go faster. These are full logs. Correct. No, nothing – like fabricated or No, wow. yeah, that, and that's what I was implying, yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier that you grew up in a log cabin, so you kind of have an affection for these yeah. houses that not everybody sees as um, convenient or, you yeah. know, well, for Yeah, it's definitely not convenient. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is a little bit of a lifestyle, but, yeah, I grew up in one, so, um, and then I sort of floundered around a little bit in my 20s, fluttering here and there and moving quite a lot. So when I was feeling ready to settle and I found a piece of land that was, going to accommodate the farm and it had a house that brought back all this nostalgia and all these childhood memories it was just I had to do it I love it I love it and and that's what I was marveling about with having two acres in basically in a sea of subdivisions Mm -hmm. I mean it's very much like where I live in so a lot of new developments a lot of probably I don't know maybe it was farmland that got flipped into you know residential neighborhoods but you've protected this land now Mm-hmm. and you have a lot of room to grow. We do have a lot of room to grow, and protecting the land, you know, was important to me. There's an 18-acre parcel just out the window behind the camera um, that was all field and woods, but it was recently cleared to build a city park, which mm. is great, green spaces yeah. for the community. But at the same time, preserving some wildlife habitat when all of this density is coming in, to me, is important. Yeah. So I'm excited to preserve this little parcel for as long as I can. I love it. So Pops Flowers has a lot of facets, as you started to say. Mm-hmm. Let's break those down a little bit. Sure. Um, your It sounds like your first thing you really launched was the CSA. Is that correct? It was. Yeah. That was the first real serious revenue stream that I launched, for sure. Um, and it's it's worked really, really well. I've really enjoyed it. We started it with the idea of we'll bring the farmer's market to you which during the time of COVID was even more popular. So um, that wow. was really lovely. Wow. So you have you have multiple types of shares and frequencies that people can uh, invest in. And talk a little bit about those, 
those sure. buckets of product, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, we do our CSA for our main season, which is our, our summer season and into fall. Uh, we haven't done a spring CSA yet, but I think that might be on the horizon. Especially since you're going to plant all those bulbs, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. But so we'll talk about summer. We do a 12-week summer season, and we break our CSAs down into kind of three lengths. So we've got a full season, which is 12 weeks, a half season, which is six weeks, but every other. Mm -hmm. And then we break it into um, three other chunks, three four-week chunks. So we've got a mid-summer, a late summer, and an early fall. So that way people have different price points and also different frequencies to accommodate for travel and things like that. Do people often gift the four-week uh, CSA? Because that seems like it would be a perfect length of they time. They do. It's a, yeah. That is the most common way that we sell that four-week one. We usually put them on sale for Valentine's Day, so that's very popular. And then all of the CSAs for every year are always available by Mother's Day at the latest. So we sell a lot then, too. Oh, so you can see the whole, the whole calendar of the rest of the year mm-hmm. if you want to do that. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you charge? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So... This year, we realized that we definitely need to raise our prices a bit. I think pricing and learning the value of our labor and and that the value of the flowers that we're growing because they are local, because they're specialty, because they can't be shipped, that's something that took us some time to mm-hmm. learn. So we do have to raise our prices, but we have, um, you know, bouquet recipes, and it's really, it's a formula, yeah. you know, so that's, that's how we sort of mm-hmm. sort it out. So... You're going to be spending anywhere from 120 upwards to maybe $400, depending on which subscription it is that you're interested in. Yeah. But you're delivering these bouquets, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a a value add right there. Oh, big time. Not requiring people to go to a central place even here to pick them up. Right. Maybe that'll change if you grow to the point where you have to have like a North County... Yeah. South County kind of pickup location. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's something we've discussed. I think that's the most interesting thing about going from a small garden to a large farm is I joke with my husband about how I feel like our business is about 14 years old. We're just kind of gangly and uncomfortable in our body a little <laughs> You're bit. You're the teenager. But we're figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that seems like it's kind of plug and play. Like you've got the CSA thing mm. really well organized and your customers are trained. Yes. They understand that. And then um, beyond that, you said that you also have some florists who come and shop from you. Mm-hmm. But your uh, your capacity, you're not at your full capacity yet, right? Exactly. Production-wise, I still have a lot of room to grow, quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do accommodate florist orders here and there, usually about two or three a week right now in the summer. And are they... I mean, I I can't imagine Mm -hmm. what they're asking for. Maybe they're just saying, we love your flowers, give us the best of what you have. Or are Mm -hmm. they being really specific about palette or variety? No, I have found that a lot of the um, florists that come and shop with us are new to the game. So they're not as married to traditional wholesale buying as maybe some older florists would be. Um, They're willing to come to the farm and pick up. So it's been a really great relationship so far. And what typically happens is they say, well, I'm doing a wedding and I need whites and greens mm-hmm. or I'm doing a bridal shower and I need cream and pink mm-hmm. or what have you. And because we're small still, mm-hmm. I'm able to pull everything out of the cooler that fits in their color palette. And then I let them come and shop, not buy the stem. They're buying wholesale bunches, right. but I let them pick their stems. But you've and kind I, of curated the palette for them. And exactly. They can decide um, from that bucket mm-hmm. yeah 
what they want. Well, yeah. it's usually a lot of buckets, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And is it, um, what happens with foliage? Are you growing anything for foliage right now? My summer foliage game is not as strong as I would like it to be. I, in fact, my husband and I were talking about, um, you know, little things that we want to work on over the winter and figure out. We were just talking about this. We usually do a reflection like every mm-hmm. quarter and that's on the list. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have to figure out. But my spring foliage, I really, I, I do okay with. Yeah. So. And I could see where a lot of things, depending on stage of harvest, mm-hmm. there's great foliage on the, on the stem mm-hmm. of the annual or whatever. Sure. You know, so you're kind of building or you have things like your amaranth that can be a flower or a foliage exactly and if I I'll be very honest if I am light on filler that week those leaves stay on that amaranth absolutely yeah you said also that you do buy from other growers as well so that kind of fills in what you're maybe what you don't have available exactly and I started that in year two when I was again at my grandfather's garden it was a small space and I'm not going to say we blew up or we went viral, but we had more customers than I could accommodate with the quantity that I could grow in his space. So that's when we started going to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, mm-hmm. which the blessing, as you and I discussed off camera yeah, earlier, yeah. Um, and that's kind of where that started. And since then, I've been able to build relationships with other local farmers. So I go to the market when I need to, but I can also call Martha at the Flower Barn or my friend Haley in Olympia or loads of people around here. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. It's just such a dramatic change from even five years ago when mm-hmm. it, this, you know, we're what about... 15 to 16 miles south of the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. Right. So it's not like just in your backyard, you have to be intentional about it. Right. Um, it If you can't get up there, you have other options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so great. great. It's a network. So the e-commerce thing really imp- impresses me, that you built this um, ordering system on your website, and, and you're showing people types of arrangements, but they're not ordering specific arrangements. So Correct. what do you call those and how do you, how do you, um, how do you break those out? So basically we have our bouquets on there in two different sizes, or we will, we're launching this literally a week from today. Oh, great. Because we okay. did hire a designer to come in and do this for us. I'm really excited about okay. it. Okay. We'll, we'll anticipate this. Exactly. So we'll have our two bouquet sizes on there and then we'll have probably four or six different sizes of arrangements. And basically, we will photograph them throughout the year to give people an idea of what that size arrangement or bouquet would look Mm. like in different months throughout Mm -hmm. the year. So Mm -hmm. that's how we're going to do it. And we're going to let them know that um, pretty much every design is designer's choice, working with what's seasonally available. And that's the magic of it. Yeah, I love that. That's how we're going to do it. Um, The way you described it to me when we were having lunch was really neat. You said it's for people who want the florist experience but don't want to have, you know, the unpredictability of, you know, not knowing who's actually grown these flowers. And they might know what the picture on the wire service looks like, but that's not necessarily what the bouquet is either. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if you're not going to know what it's going to be, it might as well be local and seasonal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's so great. So you um, built your own website. Mm -hmm. And is it like something that you are seeing people use on on the desktop or mobile or both or I think mostly desktop. Um, I need to optimize it for mobile better. That's again something on my my your, quarterly list. Your winter to do list. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I think desktop. For but now. I guess you figure out how your customers want to interact with you too, mm-hmm. because you're still, I would imagine, accessible enough that they could call or text if they needed to. 
Absolutely. We have a farm phone number um, and people call and text whenever they need anything. Mm. And we also have automatic text message reminders for our subscribers. And we um, we have a newsletter when I make time to get to it, <laughs> which I know is something other farmer or flower farmers struggle yeah. with. So I don't feel too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we try to stay really connected on social media and email and texts and all of it. I mean, your whole brand is so beautiful and engaging, and it's really your personality. And I, I don't really, I, you have to tell us your your path because you did allude to the fact that you have built websites for your much of your adult life. So right. obviously, you have the right skill set for that. But tell me about your path to flowers from a. A little girl whose grandfather grew flowers. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, um, I think flowers were always there for me. Um, when I was young, I inherited a home from a family mother member who passed away. And all of a sudden, I didn't need all the things that most people needed. So I'd have a birthday and people would say, what kind of, you know, what can I get you? And I'd say, oh, just buy me flowers. And the house would be full of flowers for a week. Um, and then when I got into my 20s, I was living in Tacoma. And I had the ritual of going to the market and getting flowers every week. I was single, and it was like my thing that I did for myself. I developed a relationship with a local florist, someone I could just go to and say, hey, it's my mom's birthday or what have you. So I had a flower practice. They were always there in the background. But what I was actually doing in my teens and 20s was building a lot of individual skills for entrepreneurship and, and a lot of creative things. So like photography website design. I think it's sort of a, a millennial thing to do to be self-taught in all these different right. interests that you have. Right. I mean, this so. is amazing that you're using all these skills that you maybe thought, oh, I'll support myself being a photographer or I'll support myself mm -hmm. building websites. But basically, you're supporting Pops Flowers with those skills now. Exactly. Yeah. They've all come together into one thing and it feels really nice. Isn't it funny that you talked about being a millennial and that you want to be self-taught? I mean, do you think that that's why YouTube has blown up so much? Mm. It's like everybody can learn everything on YouTube? Absolutely. And I think millennials realized it a little bit before older generations. Um, and they just kind of grabbed the ball and ran with it. And then, of course, now Gen Z, they they took the ball somewhere and millennials are lost. But yeah, you, yeah. You know what it's I mean. It's all right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the youngest age of baby boomer. So I, okay. You know, you know what I mean? I, I feel left in the dust already by you. Yes. Um, but this idea of YouTube you mentioned as well is something that you're trying to build up because, mm -hmm. because you just are aware of how people learn and can consume information. Right. Absolutely. And, and I see a lot of hunger for it, especially after the last year. And this is probably a topic you're tired of speaking of, but the last year has created such a hunger and yeah. so many new gardeners. People want that self-sufficiency and they want to be able to bring beauty into their lives without having to rely on flowers getting shipped into their grocery store. So I, I, I'm not saying I want to necessarily make a bunch of money off of that, but it's something where we want to be able to share our journey and teach along the way. Mm -hmm. So is your husband doing the YouTube with you as well? Uh, he helps he a little bit camera? here and there, <laughs> but mostly I shoot on my phone. He um, he helped me find this really wonderful system called Moment, and they create lenses that you can screw onto your phone. So we've been using that to shoot some of our videos, really? which has been really nice because so, it's so mobile. So what does that allow you to do? You turn your phone into like a just a better better filming camera or 
Right. So I spent my whole life shooting on DSLR cameras, and they're big and they're clunky. They work wonderful. Mm -hmm. But this allows me some of that professional-level quality video without the cumbersomeness of the setup. Wow. Yeah. And not to get all nitty-gritty, but I want to know, like, are you using a a selfie stick, or how are you doing? How are you filming yourself? Yeah. So right now, I just hold it with my arm, but my husband's not super happy about that (laughs) because we invested in what's called a Movi, and it's, it's basically a gimbal. Yes. Um, so, yes, it's it's there and I need to use it. But could you film yourself using I the could. Moby? Okay. I could, yeah. 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 It's just, you're, you're, you're wearing so many hats. It's hard to stop long enough and s- create the systems. I mean, as we were talking about with this video format I'm trying to do, like, yeah. you know, yes, it'd be great to have a crew. Great to have mm-hmm. someone doing hair and makeup. It'd be great to have someone doing lighting. But that all becomes cost prohibitive. And yeah. if you can just hold your phone and talk about a crop why not it's yeah. ex- people feel like you're authentic exactly that and it's efficient mm-hmm. and then time is really the resource I have the least of so we try so, to be mindful so do you have the YouTube button on your website yes okay so people can come watch you yeah, and subscribe absolutely oh I love it that's mm-hmm. great um, well I just love that I got to come visit you and all that you're doing before we go I want to talk about your newest piece of news which is mm-hmm. your studio yes and maybe we'll quickly go get a little bit of footage about that i love that too okay so tell me what how this all come about well um i have noticed that what i love to do is grow flowers and what people want is to be able to click and buy flowers (laughs) so i want to spend more time in my field and people want to click and buy so we did make the decision this year to bring on an in-house designer which is going to enable us to launch our web store in a week with all those products we just talked about. So you're, you're, you're willing to see what the marketplace wants and accommodate, but you're not trying to become a designer yourself. Exactly. Okay. Design is just not where my heart is. And I'll be real honest, when, when we went to the Slow Flower Summit, that day one with the flower takeover, that was my big glaring lesson. I was like, I am a farmer and a gardener, and design is not my calling. Okay, but... Did you work in one of the rooms at the I summit? I didn't. I, I snuck away, and I took my camera, and I got B-roll of all of the gardens to share with my YouTube friends. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I'm glad you know what your strength is. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, and I have kind of a passion for, like, 17th century English gardens, so to see to see Philoli was just amazing. But oh, anyways, that's great. We got okay. track. I outed you now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. So you've got this young, this new designer working for you. Mm-hmm. you you created a studio then for you can do your production. Exactly. I wanted to have a space that was accommodating and safe and comfortable for her because I usually just work outside in the beautiful outdoors. But, right. But sometimes um, the weather's not going to be accommodating. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it was important to create a space for her. Of course, with COVID, all the lumber prices are crazy, and I needed to do something quickly. So we ended up converting a shed, a garden shed, into a little studio space. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then where is your cooler? Oh, it's hiding in the back amongst the weeds Okay, next to the, the new studio. Oh, okay. So you have all the pieces. I do. And you even are set up for on-farm sales. Mm-hmm. When I pulled in, there was a, a a flower table with an umbrella, and I can't remember what the sign said, probably. It said closed. Closed. <laughs> <laughs> but you, 
well, you just kind of do that uh, spontaneously, like a pop-up sale? I or? do pop-ups for holidays, yep. And then we're usually open as a as a farm stand every Saturday. We usually open around 9 and go till either it's too hot or we sell out. Really? Yeah. And that's you post about that on, on Instagram or does just the neighbors know about it? Um, Facebook. Facebook oh. has been huge for us. Uh, when we first started, that's kind of where I started my business was on Facebook. Um, neighborhood groups have been really, really, really vital and totally long us and I, I love those people they're my day oneers so we still promote that way your day oneers yeah <laughs> your plank holders exactly. your, your core first customers I love mm-hmm. it well what did I not ask you that you want to share before we wrap up and go look at your studio um not much that I can think of I know in future we do plan on adding um perennials and we want to put in just a a tunnel for um, propagation. That's probably our last big piece of infrastructure, but um, that's it. Wow. No, uh, you have so much capacity here. You're going to do so. I mean, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before people ask you to come do workshops and, you know, have a farm dinner and like, you could do it all. I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah. You did say that you are consulting with beginning farmers though. So that's kind of a cool emerging Uh, opportunity as well it's been amazing we have a lot of followers on instagram that are first second or third year farmer florists or maybe just gardeners with a cutting garden um and they just kind of want that hands-on personal direction you know and maybe a workshop isn't feasible for them from a price point range or again they just want that personal Mm -hmm. connection so yeah we've been consulting on both um farming production and uh the business side too and is it mostly in person, or w- was today just an anomaly and normally you do it on Zoom? Oh, no. Um, I like to go to the person's space. That's that's my preference. Yeah. I want to give them the opportunity to see their space through an experienced set of eyes. So that's what we do. That's so great. Yeah. I love it. Vanessa, thank you so much. This has been really great. And um, I, I feel like I want to be part of your neighborhood group now, too. Oh, well, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> Um, we'll just wrap up here and then we'll go out and just get a little bit of footage of of the studio yeah it's freshly painted and, and ready to be set up completely I'm excited to show you the bones though thanks so much okay thank you so much for joining us today. You're hearing this episode on September 1st, and this is the day that Pops Flowers opens their new online store designed to make shopping for local flowers in the South Puget Sound region just as convenient as ordering from a traditional florist. As Vanessa explained, working with Anna Krumpos, a new team member who will serve as designer, the flowers of Pops Flowers will be transformed into arrangements for everyday orders for delivery on Thursdays or Saturdays featuring 100% local and American-grown flowers. I'll share the links for you to check it out and follow along as Vanessa and Garrett embark on this beautiful journey. Our next sponsor thank you goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote 
the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. As I mentioned, it's September. How did that happen so quickly? I want to share a few opportunities for you to connect with me and the Slow Flowers Society coming up. First, I'm heading off right after Labor Day to travel to Missoula, Montana, where I will speak at the Montana Cutflower Conference on Wednesday, September 8th. I'll be sharing insights on the cultural, consumer, and marketplace shifts in the U.S. floral industry. And I'm excited to reconnect with some of my favorite flower friends, including our members who will also be speaking, including Julio Fritas of The Flower Hat and Lindsay Irwin of Bitter Root Flowers. You'll hear more, I'm sure, because my recorder and my video camera are traveling there with me. On Friday, September 10th, we'll be resuming our virtual Slow Flowers member meetups after a summer vacation. Designed as a member forum for connecting with one another in the early days of the pandemic, remember then, back in April and May of 2020, our meetup has evolved into a way for Slow Flowers members to share their knowledge and to learn from one another. Our September guests will be focused on the why, what, how, and art of styled shoots. You can pre-register in the link I'll share in today's show notes. See you there. Our final thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches. Today, we welcome Lindsay and Josh McCullough of Red Twig Farms as Slow Flower Society's newest major sponsor. We're excited for some fun collaborations in the year to come. And you can learn more about them at redtwigfarms.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 760,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flower's ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem at a time. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. You can learn more about Andrew's work at soundbodymovement.com.